And we're live. I'm here with Tommy. Tommy Salmons. How you doing, man? I'm good, man. How are you? I'm doing good. I got some wine. Got my own place finally. I'm I'm chilling. It looks nice, man. I like it. Thanks. Yeah, I still gotta get. I don't have any, I don't. I don't have no storage here. And so the storage is the boxes to the side right now. But I'm gonna figure it out eventually. Yeah. You know. I don't have. Home, I don't have company over. What is what is home without a couple of boxes lying around? That's right. The only issue that happened is I had I had a third bookcase that broke in the move. And so I have to get a new bookcase soon to restock ourselves. Oh man, but yeah. I keep trying to find a book to read. I'm like, it's in the boxes, and I'm like scrolling through the box trying to find it. It's like, no, it's it was just on the bottom shelf. I wasted all that time for nothing. <laughs> yeah, so um, you've you been need on to before. Put yourself but... together a spreadsheet with where everything is. Then <laughs> you get on that Dewey Decimal System. It's organizing an actual library. <laughs> <laughs> So you've been on before, but it's been a while. So go ahead and tell my audience a little bit about yourself, who you are, what you do, that kind of stuff. Yeah, uh, I'm the host of Year Zero at the Libertarian Institute. Um, I also write at my Substack, TommySalmons.com, um, and I drive a truck, but no longer over the road. I work for um, a lumber company, mm-hmm. so um, I do all kinds of stuff. Plus, I have ducks and chickens and pits, and when so I'm, I'm pretty busy. I've had ducks for a while. Actually, I just lost two of them. Uh, I think a hawk got them uh, a couple of weeks ago. My males are still running around here, but my females are gone. Um, So I think, you know, they were sitting ducks, you know, like laying eggs, sitting on the, sitting on the eggs, man. Something comes and gets them with with these males. I was actually, uh, I have a video I, I just took two days ago. I have one, one duck that just for some reason, has something against one of my pits and it chases my pit bull around the yard. And it, it's the funniest <laughs> thing. He'll chase it until the dog runs in the house. And, and <laughs> dog chasing a pit bull. That's, um, that seems reversed. seems like yeah, it'd be it's, it's hilarious. Well, cause no, my dogs don't mess with my birds at all. Hmm. Um, they don't mess with my chickens. They don't mess with my ducks. Uh, I'll let them out and they'll just lay there and watch them. Um, I actually have one dog, uh, an older dog that, that likes to try to chase, um, the chickens, but he has really bad hip dysplasia. He can't chase mm-hmm. them very well. And the one that's terrorized by the ducks actually will block him from chasing the chickens. <laughs> He'll get in front of him and be like, no, you're not supposed to do that. Dude. Every time I hear stories about like people who have like you know, multiple animals on a farm, the interaction between the animals is, it's so interesting to me. It's hilarious, it, man. It's, it's, it's the weirdest thing. Ducks chasing dogs. Ducks preventing dogs from chasing chickens. You, know, it's just, it's, you don't hear these kind of things about people talking about like wildlife ecology or something. You don't hear the actual farm stories of dogs and ducks chasing each other. Yeah, it's, it's fun. It's funny, man. It's, it's like the highlight of my day. I get home from work and um, I give my dogs treats and we go sit outside and I'll I'll crack open a beer and I'll watch as the ducks chase my dog around the yard trying to steal his treat. <laughs> wow. It's so, every day. It never fails. Every day. Every day. And the dog will get up on the picnic table to hide from the ducks. <laughs> <laughs> that, is, that is wild. So 
we're going to do a quick rundown on uh, ESG. And uh, like most experiments like on Fives, I did deal research. I have no idea what ESG even stands for. I just know it means creepy old guys I don't like doing things I don't like. <laughs> That's all I know about ESG. I, I assume George Soros is involved. I don't know that for certain. I just assume he's involved. <laughs> Close. <laughs> so, okay. Is it Carl Swab or something? Yep. <laughs> okay. It's, always, it's one of the two. It's one of the two. Yep. Yep. Or, no, or Hans-Jörg Wies. He's another no, one. I've never heard that one. Uh, he's another one. Just go go on go down that rabbit trail. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's let's get into it. So, what is ESG? It stands for Environmental, Social, uh, Justice, and Governance. Um, basically, it is um, uh, a social scoring system in which they utilize the way corporations um act in a woke fashion i mean that that's the easiest way to put it they're trying to measure a corporation's value based upon how much social justice and green um policies they have in place that's really the easiest way to put it so it's just a score so what does the score relate to i mean the, i mean i get i have a bad credit score doesn't really start doing anything yeah well when it comes to social credit <laughs> that's another story all yeah. right so the way it works is let's say i run a corporation right let's say let's say chevron i i own chevron i'm the ceo of chevron and uh we drill for oil well we don't drill for oil we process oil into gasoline right there are other companies that drill for oil um, this is where my Corbett interview got people a little confused. And so I feel like I always have to clarify that. Um, what, what they'll do is they'll say, okay, environmental, how healthy is your industry on the environment? Okay. Well, on a, on a zero to 100 scale, the higher the score, the worse it is for you. We're going to give you a 60 on your environmental. Social justice. So how many um, black board members do you have? How many trans board members do you have? How many, you know, uh, Hispanic board members do you have? Yada, 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 this whole thing. How many of them are women? You know, and, and this is how, like, the weapons dealers keep their score low is by having women CEOs, you know, and stuff like that. Um, and then governance. Okay, so... Um, how how much maternity leave do you offer? How much uh, vacation time? What's your disability uh, package look like? Do you offer health insurance? Do you pay for the health insurance? If you don't pay 100% of the health insurance, how much of the health insurance do you pay for? Do you require vaccine passports? And, and these types of things go on in the governance side. So they'll score you based upon all these metrics that, they've agreed you have to adhere to mm. now the way they agree that you have to adhere to this is they've infiltrated the banking system and the financial system right so what they do is let's say you have a bad score let's say you have a very high score they actually score tesla higher than they score x uh score exxon right now why is that well it's because elon musk he's not woke he's not in that woke crowd right so what, what does that mean for Elon Musk? Well, he can't get loans, right? 
these financial institutions will reject giving him loans mm. be- because of this. And so therefore he cannot have the, the new developments going forward for the, for production. What a lot of people think, think it is. And I've, I've had this conversation many times. A lot of people think it's to control the corporation, but that's not what it's to control. It's to control you, right? If they get into the financial institutions and they can lean on those financial institutions, Klaus Schwab says that the financial institutions have the carrot and the stick to make the corporations move. But the goal isn't to get the corporations to move. It's to get the people to move. Right. And as the corporations moved, you're already addicted to the product. Right. You're going to use Apple or or um, Google or one of all these corporations. You're using that every day. Why is it? So as they move, then the populace moves because you're already addicted to Coca-Cola. You're already addicted to um, Pizza Hut. You're already addicted to the Disney Channel, ESPN, whatever it is. And mm-hmm. so if they can get those corporations to move in this direction, then they're moving the entire citizenry, the entire populace along with it. Hmm. So, so how to put this? Um, so starts with the banks because it's on loans. So they can't, they, can't, they can't get new capital. They can't get new loans to grow their business. And if they become stagnant, the people's business goes stagnant, kind of end up going setting down. And so it starts with moving, moving to, let's say back to make sure the audience gets an idea that they use the ESG scores to affect the loan rates or the investment rates they can, uh, companies can apply for. And by doing this, they force them to adhere to more of the ESG standards, so better environment, better trans rights, in case in time and so and so, all that liberal nonsense. And doing so, it moves the company further and further to the left and drags the, the consumers along with them. Right. But it's it's gone beyond that, right? Mm-hmm. Think about what, what just happened a couple of weeks ago. Kanye West made some comment, and what happened? His bank shut him out. He can't, You can't bank with us anymore. Because the Federal Reserve has put forward a pilot program to use ESG scores as a social credit system. And they have partnered with six of the biggest banks in the United States, Bank of America, Wells Fargo, Capital One. And they've they've teamed up with all these banks in order to do that. So when you saw like the trucker protests in Canada and suddenly their their banking was getting shut off and they had no access to their money, that was part of the ESG program. Mm. So right now, ESG scores are only applied to uh, businesses and corporations, but um, officially, officially, yeah, officially, it uh, doesn't seem very hard to imagine. Though we kind of move towards the social credit of individuals, like what's your politics? Who do you vote for? Like, it seems very likely that's going to go down like a social credit system. While it was, you know, every, I can't, I can't say China was. I feel like a boomer, but like China, you know, it's so. Huh? What this sounds. Sounds awful. I'm not, I'm not, I'm <laughs> well, not. It, but it's been in, it, but it's been in the process, and it's been in progress for quite a while. Mm. Um, remember when uh, Alex Jones was kicked off of all the social media? Mm. 
what what quietly happened is also he lost uh, his contract with um, Stripe. He couldn't use Stripe as a payment processor. He couldn't use Visa or MasterCard. Like he was losing access to these things mm -hmm. as it was happening, right? So it not only attacks like your social status, it's also attacking your financial status, your financial well-being. And they're coming after individuals now. Like, like I said, Kanye West is a perfect mm -hmm. example. The trucker protests. Donald Trump even lost um, some of his ability to do banking after his president uh, presidency. So and how long is this? The FBI has actually utilized this system um, for January 6th protesters. So they were in, in cahoots with capital. I mean, with bank of America, they were, they were asking bank of America, turn over all financial records of anybody who spent money in Washington, DC on January 6th so that they can then go and question those people about the riots on January 6th. <laughs> wow. Um, so how long has this been going on? Like when did ESG kind of get started? About 2003, it popped up. Um, I, I didn't it, hear about it this year. So it's kind of been, did people talk been, about it? Really, it's been, no, it wasn't. It was really um, kind of closed up in the halls of the World Economic Forum mm. up until probably, I guess it was in 2019, Klaus Schwab wrote an article for Time Magazine about the Great Reset. And he mentioned stakeholder capitalism and ESG and it, which was when I first ran across it. And that's when I started doing the doing research on it, trying to figure out exactly what it was that he was talking about. And um, Glenn Beck began doing some shows on it in 2020. He's actually worked with some, some state uh, legislatures to pass anti-ESG legislation. Uh, Vivek Ramaswamy, um, has, has started, um, his own, um, financial, uh, head, like financial investment firm, kind of like BlackRock to, because BlackRock is heavily involved in ESG. And so Vivek Ramaswamy wanted to go an anti ESG route with a, with a company called strive and to where you can, um, you can fund and, and invest into companies that are not ESG friendly if you so choose. And so that he doesn't take the ESG barometer and barometrics into, um, into consideration when doing investment like BlackRock would do. Um, and so you do have <clears throat> um, some people fighting back. 11, 11 states have passed legislation that would ban banks and financial institutions from discriminating against people based upon politics or social views. So there, there is a, there are people fighting back against this. I, I listen to a lot of mainstream news sources. I, I never hear this. You never hear about ESG. I can't remember one time on the on daily wire. I didn't know people mentioned it. I listened to Glenn Beck, but I never heard him mention it, but I, I listened to him sporadically. Um, I think he did. He did most of his, remember when he was writing the book, uh, the great reset book that he released uh, vaguely. Okay, so he did about five or six episodes in 2020 during, while he was writing it mm. um, that were pretty good, that were pretty spot on 
and I, uh, check those out. I got a lot. I got quite a bit of information from him because you know he, he has a team of researchers. I have me, you know. So <laughs> Glenn Beck gets a bad wet, bad wet, but he's pretty solid. Yeah, you know, I like I like him all right. They're fun to listen to. Obviously, when he when he gets into the opinion section, I, there are things that I disagree yeah. with him on, but like whatever. He's like a fun. I I, I consider him. He sounds a lot like my fun uncle. I have it like since even then when politics comes up, it sounds like that, <laughs> and I kind of like that energy. You know, that's what yeah. I, that's that's why I enjoy about him. So now ESC, I'm, I'm not. I don't how to put this. Um, I'm not actually not necessarily opposed to an ESG type system. Like if they had banks that were super right wing, you know, and religious, <laughs> that were doing the same kind of thing. Uh, I'm not inherently opposed to that kind of thing, but it's just never going to happen. I have to say that because if I, anytime somebody comes up political, you're going to have some guy say, well, here's how the right can use this. I'm like, well, yeah, probably, but not for the foreseeable future. I can't see anyone right. in the right only controlling the banks. You know, that's just it's not going to happen. But, um, hmm. Well, well, you really did. You really did a great job because I, 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 just, I, any question are you, how you were talking, I had questions pop up, and you'd answer with like the next sentence. So I'm trying to see what to ask you now. Um, well, this is kind of the way I wrote my article too. I kind of imagine like people like don't know what it is. So it's like, what are the bases that I should cover? How is it going to affect you? Like, what does this mean? You know, and so. Whenever I think about how to explain it to somebody, I guess I've explained it so many times that it's very easy for me to like, I know where my questions were. I know what I wanted to know and the, the most important things that were answered to me for me. Right. And so <clears throat> those are the things I really like focus on trying to put forward in a conversation when talking about ESG. And where can people find the article? So I can plug it in the description. It's at the Libertarian Institute. Um, I think I've sent you a link once before, but I'll, I'll make sure I resend it to you. I think you. you sent it to me on Twitter and your account, sadly, is, is gone. And so I have to... Yeah, well, I'm, everybody's sad about that except for me. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's what happens. Like, I have friends who like, get their account taken away and like, dude, I've never been happy. I'm like, but we miss you. <laughs> <laughs> so um, um, so there, is there's a lot of stuff that's still happening. Uh, and once you understand the fundamentals of what ESG is, you can begin to identify that this is what's going on here. Mm. Like this is what, this is why Coca-Cola was going woke. This is why Gillette was going woke. This is why Disney has gone woke. Right. It, it's like you start seeing it and, and you begin, it's like you pull a veil back and you're like, Oh, I see what the scam is here. I see what the scheme is. They're not doing it because they're good citizens. They're not doing it because they believe in wokeness. They're doing it because they want the funding. Right. And, and so when you're, when you're watching them go through that and you're watching them like take these actions, you're like, I know what they're doing. I know why they're doing it. How do we combat that? Yeah. You know, it seems this episode perfectly coincides with the last episode on bioleninism. You know, people the bioleninism, because they don't know, um, people in power elevate the lessers of society, the weirdos, the outcasts, and then they become successful and powerful. They never want to abandon those people who made them successful and powerful. And so not only do they create these super loyal um, employees and CEOs and loyal loyal employees and customers now, they also get better loans and banking situations and uh, capital accumulation and everything. Because of the ESD score, so they really do seem like this simpatico. It's gonna be very doing the same exact thing on the same on 
opposite ends. Well, here's something that that people can actually like look at and they can see how this like affects them, right? Mm-hmm. Every CEO of every major oil and gas company, whether you're talking ExxonMobil, British Petroleum, um, Chevron, uh, Citgo, any of the major ConocoPhillips, any of the major oil and gas companies, the gas refineries, not the drillers, right? Not the people that go out there and drill, the refineries. They are all on board with ESG. They actually brag that the, the cost of oil going up gives them a cushion in order to invest in alternate fuel sources, right? And so they brag that this will move them forward to um, a, a, a oil-free business plan by 2050. That is the goal. And you can go look at any of these corporations you can go find, you can look at the their board of directors and you can find quotes. Even in B, on BP, you can find a full speech the guy gave about how excited he was about the increase in prices of oil. Wow. These people really hate us. <laughs> yeah, they do. No one's to be surprised by now, but every time you hear one of these things, <laughs> they're like, damn it. What did yeah. I ever do? Yeah. And so what, while, while people are blaming biden and russia for oil and gas which yeah they have a hand in it you have to go look at the source and this is what my episode with james corbett was about because he did those um doc that doc documentary series how big oil conquered the world and why big oil conquered the world and so we tied that in with the esg and did i, I don't know it was almost an hour and a half he and i chatted about the oil industry and how in cahoots it is with this climate agenda moving forward. And what can people find, what, what can people find that documentary at? Um, you can find those documentaries, the Corbett uh, documentaries at the Corbett report.com. Uh, yeah. He's, he does a lot of good work. And um, so I would, I would always suggest people keep up with James Corbett. I would um just, just go on a like duck, duck go and just search for, how big oil conquered the world and why big oil conquered the world. I'm sure you'll find them like really quick. Mm. And they're, I think they're both about an hour, maybe two hours long. Um, I watched them when I was over the road, when I was still driving over the road. So I had a lot of spare time. I just. Watch them while you're driving? Yeah, well, I, I would click them on and I'd listen to them while okay, I was driving. You just, yeah. Yeah, but about like some bearded guy that's in my truck, like watch a documentary as he drives. But yeah, I would listen to a lot of stuff when I drove. When I was over the road, I, I listened to a lot more audiobooks. I listened to a lot more documentaries and podcasts. That's that's why I would never leave where I'm working now. I have an hour and a half of drive time paid every day. Yeah, and I, I use that just to just, just go to audiobooks. Like yeah, just day. yeah, just shovel it into your brain. The moment as fast I get a job, like the moment I get a job, I can't listen to audiobooks all day. Is the moment I stop podcasting. Yeah, That's it. I'm done. I would I would do like yeah I would do like twelve to fourteen hours every day just information every day. Awesome. Yeah, it was it was great. Other than I missed my wife, man. I wanted to yeah, see well, my I don't wife. Yeah, she wanted me to come home. I wanted to come home. So you know, you got you got chickens, dogs, and ducks to come visit. You know, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I didn't have chickens at the time. I had okay. gotten some when I was over the road, but they ended up uh, getting killed. 
And so my wife had to clean that mess up. She ended up calling mm. a neighbor to come clean that mess up. So I decided after that, I wasn't going to get any more chickens until I came home. So yeah. as soon as I got home, I bought like 30 chickens. <laughs> <laughs> Started building coops everywhere. So, um, yeah. But, yeah, it's, it's wild. I mean, it's it's going to affect everything. If you see like this COP27 um, where they're talking about food, um, agriculture, it's going to affect uh, the, the supply of food and agriculture all around the world. Um, the the natural gas is used to, to make fertilizer. And so they're cutting off all drilling, all natural gas, all oil, all this, they can't make fertilizer. So that's going to cut down on the supply of food. You're going to have millions of people starve. Um, Charles Galton Darwin wrote a book called the next million years in, in 1946, I think it was. Um, I have it somewhere on one of these shelves around me. And, um, he, he made it, he's talking about ending the, the dependence on fossil fuels, even in 1946. (laughs) And he's like, we know that like upwards of 60 million people are going to die, but the price is worth it. This is one of the craziest things to people who like read these older books like that is that people say, oh, everything nowadays is, you know, liberalism's gone. We're like, no, we're in the combination of people that they've been working for for years. (laughs) You know, you read books like a uh, waste war in high school, waste war in high school. Yeah. And, like, they've been pushing this shit for years. You, the book you just mentioned, you said like 1950s, 1940s. It was 19, the, 1946. I, I want to say yeah. this is like the idea. Everything that sucks today is not new. It's just a combination of what's been happening for years. So the idea, yeah. you, can, you know, give it same thing. Yeah, I got around. this one here was written in 1900. You know. Okay. Which one is that? Uh, Freedom of the Empire? No, Fabian, Fabianism, Fabianism and the Empire, a manifesto mm-hmm. by the Fabian Society. Fabian it was written Society. by Bernard Shaw. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, need to so, read, man, I, I read I, that old stuff, man. Every I'm time like, I talk to you, I'm like, I got to read more books. <laughs> I got to read more books, man. I haven't, <laughs> my buddy Gord, I had, I had him on the podcast a few weeks ago, and uh, he said, man, he said, I need to take some vacation, come down to your house so I can read read your books. I said, shit, I need to take some vacation so I can read my books. I, I, have, yeah. I have way more books than I can read right now. Uh, so, yeah. So you've obviously done a lot of research into this. Um, if, someone, if someone listens to this podcast and want to go do their own research and learn more, where, where could I go? What's places to research more? How do you research this yourself? World Economic Forum website. You can look up or you can just Google ESG in this things pop up go to the federal reserve i'll send you the the um the link for the federal reserves um what was it it was like a a press release that they put out a couple of weeks ago about their pilot program working with these banks um and so yeah i mean if you just if you know what you're looking for it's it's easy to find once you start looking into it you'll find all kinds of stuff and uh i think uh even in my article um, I, I know there's some hyperlinks in there that'll lead you. Like you can go to a time. Uh, if you go to, if you look up Klaus Schwab, the great reset time magazine, that article will pop up from like, I think it was late 2019 when he wrote that mm-hmm. or when that was published. Um, I, there's all kinds of stuff you can find. It's just a matter of knowing what to look for. And once you start learning and figuring out what you're looking for, it's like, man, I actually on my sub stack and I'll, I'll send you a link to this too. 
I put together um, a one sub stack where I just add in anything I do on ESG. I just put it in there. And so it's just this whole library of stuff that I've been doing for the last uh, two, three years on ESG. Um, so yeah, there's all kinds of places to find this stuff. Um, I, I started reading the world economic forum website. That's kind of <laughs> what got me. And I was like, what is this corporate nonsense that I'm reading? But, you know, you kind of learn to get through the, the BS and, and see what they're actually trying to say and read between the lines as you, as you move on. And sometimes they're just really blatant with it. And they'll just tell you like we, and, and most of these play, most of these people are not afraid to tell you they want to end the oil industry. They're just not afraid to say it anymore. Yeah. You know, we want to end fossil fuels. We want to end this. We want to end that. And um, you go to, uh, you can go look up Ted talks. You can find um, Ted talks on, I just saw one pop up. I didn't listen to it, but it was some lady giving a speech on, the benefit of green corp uh, corporations uh, versus the fossil fuel model or some shit like that. So like you, you can, you'll see it everywhere. Once you start seeing it, you're just like, Oh, it's just a matter. Like I said, of lifting that veil. And once that veil is lifted, it's like, Oh crap, this is everywhere. You know? Yeah. And one of the, one of the best ways I know that individuals can personally combat ESG is take your money out of these banks out of get into credit unions, local credit unions, make sure they're not working with, you know, on under ESG standards, you question them, you know, find out who they are and, and really look into where you're putting your money because that matters. Yeah. And they, they utilize your money in order to push policies that are going to limit your freedoms. Well, we've gone for 30 minutes. That seems like the perfect stopping point. Is there anything else you want to add to it? The, uh, to it? Do you think that's good? No, man. I mean, I, I can talk about this for hours. <laughs> so. I, might, I might need you back on for another one, then they go deeper into it. Because this is a – I might have to do it like I'm 10. We go for 40, we go one hour instead of 30. Well, I told you when we were doing this, I had the mind of a six-year-old. So five is right up my alley. Right here. It's right in, right in, right in, right in, <laughs> it's right in the sweet spot. <laughs> <laughs> Tommy, thank you for coming on. Where can people find you at? Um, libertarianinstitute.org forward slash year dash zero forward slash. I don't know why you have to put that second forward slash, but you do. So it's libertarianinstitute.org forward slash year dash zero forward slash. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Um, everyone, thanks for listening. Um, Real quick plugs. I got two bit Daisy coming on Saturday for a, a Renee Zerard episode. So that's going to be a lot of fun. And then November 16th, Owen McIntyre comes on for Machiavelli's The Prince. And then November 19th, I have, I cannot remember his name, but I got a pagan coming on to talk about paganism. Uh, that's, he's, a, he's, a, he's a Platonist. You know, he knows, he's a Platonic guy, and I know Plato. So we're going to talk about Plato and Platonic forms of what he thinks are the pagan gods are all just like Odin and Zeus are the same thing that this forms of these saying. So it's going to be an interesting conversation. I'm really interested to hear what he has to say. So make sure you guys subscribe, hit the notification bell, all that good stuff uh, on Spotify, on Patreon. Um, yeah. Thanks for listening. Have a good night. Mm-hmm.